0: Ronananian. Let's talk about cars, because cars just seem to be non-confrontational, unless you're driving a Volkswagen.
1: I want five gallons of gas, please. Ethel, petrol, or schmethyl. I'm a soul man. I'm a soul man. I'm a soul man. I'm a soul man. The car doctor.
0: So we took the first rotor out of the box. Perfect, absolutely perfect. Nice motorcraft piece, sealed box, and it was great. Except it only had five lugs, which isn't bad. If I had a five lug vehicle, I have a six lug vehicle.
1: Wait a minute, Rochester. What's the idea of buying a new tire? Well, you told me to check them, and the right front one was a little old. Yes. So I put some air in it, then kicked it to see if it was hard. Uh huh. I never should have done that.
2: Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open, but I am here to take your calls
0: at 855 560 9900. And now! And the Lone Ranger
1: gets out from the valve. They'll believe me, citizen. And the guy goes, the guy goes, I didn't know it was you. And that's a true story. There
0: you go. Here's Ronnie. Now, that's not fair. That gets me off my game. Jay Thomas. What a great, great personality. God rest in peace. May God bless him always. Um, I listen to that story many times. Ron in The Car Doctor, here. Hello and welcome. Start your engines. Let's uh, get back to square one. But, um, yeah, that that was a great story. Very sad this week to see Jay Thomas passing. Uh, You know, I I used to watch him uh, on the Letterman shtick on uh, Christmas around the holidays when he would talk about the Lone Ranger and that story. And I believe that to be a true story, by the way. And if you haven't seen it, get out get out to youtube and just search j thomas david letterman lone ranger story and you'll see the whole thing and it's just it's so funny and you can just see it happening for real for what it is that it just it cracks me up every time i watch it every well, time I and watch working
2: it. in broadcasting he talks about being a disc jockey and yeah. going out to the promotion yep. and how he was stuck having to drive him back and it's every yeah. bit of that is what
0: happens and that's what happens everybody thinks that this is such a glamorous business that you're driven around in limousines and you know chauffeured from here to there Heck, once your show's over, you're lucky if you get a goodbye. Uh, you know, it's like, out next, throw out the baby with the bathwater. It's just, that's, that's radio. It's uh, um, like I learned so many years ago, you haven't been in radio till you've been fired from radio, and I'm, trust me, I'm in radio. So um, this radio show is about your automobile, believe it or not. It's about fixing your car and presenting you with new technology and the changes and the things that we see in the repair shop. I put my 43-plus years I think it's 44-plus years now, 1978, you guys do the math, and, um, you know, how long this has been going on, and this radio show's been here for about 27 years now, as uh, we continue to just try and explain it to you in everyday terms. Uh, You know, it's just, it's, 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 it's no brag, just fact, let's talk about your car, let's solve the problem, let's move on to the next thing. And from time to time, I will bring up things that I use and do in the shop, quite often actually. And sometimes I present the technology that I'm using in the shop, and our next conversation is just about that. I edited something from a company called Bolt-On Technology, the ability to text and, and reports and customer follow-up and some of the things that I do in the shop during the course of running the shop that I have to admit, at first I was skeptical. I said, am I overcomplicating things? Am I making this more than it needs to be? And I have to tell you, I never saw the value and the importance and the efficiency. I think the word efficiency has to come to top of mind when it comes to texting customers. And I actually got the idea from going to the dentist and the doctor. You know, you go for your dentist appointment, he sends you a text, tells you, hey, your next appointment's going to be such and such a date. And you reply, see to confirm, and so on and so forth. And I said, gee, can anybody incorporate that into automobiles? I've got to give a tip of the hat. These guys here from Bolt-On Technology have done that. And um, we're going to make him do it better, because I kind of drive John, our next guest, kind of a little nuts. I talk to him, you know, once or twice a month about some suggestions. And he's a great guy. He's got a great sense of humor, and he puts up with me on a monthly basis. So right off the bat, he's earned his wings. Um, but without any further ado, let's let's join and welcome uh, John Burkhauser, Bolt talk Technology. John, welcome to the car, doctor, sir. John?
2: John, I appreciate that.
0: Um, listen, I, uh, I, I say it with all sincerity. I... I'm not afraid to admit it. I had my doubts. I said, "Look at all this technology that you guys have, and you know what? What can that do? And you know, can that complicate the process of auto repair? Where can we start? Where should we start? What, you know, when you talk about information and communicating with the customer, what are you guys most concerned with as you as you present this with repair shops?"
2: Well, I think the biggest thing here, Ron, is that. We now, you mentioned the text and the inspections and whatnot. I think the inspection is the key piece to the whole program because, you know, customers are used to driving their cars to the shop, sometimes dropping them off. And when they get to the shop, if they wait, they take them away to the back zone and they have no idea what's going on and our technology now takes the customer right into the bay. They can be at home, at work, wherever, but we do these digital inspections where we go around the car, pull it apart, take a look at it, and then we do photographs, and we put very specific terminology down where the technician can identify exactly what's going on. And then you have a full report on your car, and the beauty of this, and you mentioned the text, is that we can send that directly to a customer via text anywhere they might be, and they can actually open this up And they're going to see pictures as if we brought them into the shop and showed them exactly what's going on. And another key piece to that is the fact that we can direct the customer's eye. They may not understand why we're telling them this part needs to be replaced or whatever until we point it out by circling it in red or putting an arrow to it or something like that. So every customer now is going to actually be able to walk around their car and see why you're recommending whatever work.
0: And, and some of what you're doing, and a lot of what you're doing, actually, is, is you're educating the customer not only just good and bad, but, but good business practice. And that's really what you're also doing for the repair shops, don't you think? You're, you're sort of teaching them. They know how to fix cars, or most of them know how to fix cars, but you're teaching them how to interact with the, with the clientele as well, Correct.
2: Absolutely, because there's no holds barred. There's nothing being hidden. Uh, The shops that are using our software and adopting it are seeing a great increase in customer trust. And I like that from the customer side, too, now, because now when you send me a picture, I may not fully understand what you're sending me. But for the first time, I got something to share with my husband or my wife or whoever knows more than I do and say, look, this is what they told me I need to get. What do you think? so that trust level all the way through and the transparency that happens i think is a definite benefit
0: and and you know listen i i'll tell the story i've told you that you know it was 2 weeks ago a customer came in scheduled for an oil change did the oil change signed off he goes he leaves he gets on the train and looking through his records i saw that he was due for a major service now part of the problem as a repair shop owner you know it's busy in the morning you're checking people in you're getting the day going everybody's kind of stretching and yawning and I realized, you know, Jeff was due for this 30,000-mile service. So to call him, he's taking the train. We're outside of New York. He's taking the train into New York. I know he's on what they call a quiet car. If I call him, you know, I'm bothering the car. He can't really talk. It's an awkward situation. I texted him, Jeff, da 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 He texted me back, yeah, go ahead, do it. And, you know, the whole texting thing just brings another level of communication and ease that... Uh, I, at first, I have to tell you, John, I thought people were going to be, at. Ah, it's just my car is bothering me. Now they're looking mm-hmm. for it. It's 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 amazing how they can't seem to live without it now, and it's only been a month and a half.
2: It's pretty amazing because, you know, right now, as you and I are talking on the radio, people are listening, but I can tell you, they're getting text and they're looking at it. And we realize that that's the way to communicate to customers today. Because You could be in a meeting, you could be in the bathroom, you could be doing any crazy thing, and the text comes through and everyone responds to it. And now it makes it a lot more convenient. And remember, even though you got the text, your customers can still call, and you can still call your customers. So I think it makes it a lot more convenient to see and know what's going on. Do you think, and
0: you're the, and pardon me because I'm not 100% sure, but you are the director of education at Bolt-On Technology, correct? Yes, sir. Um, you know, you have um, some, you sort of teach best practice, and, and mm-hmm. I think that's something that has to be brought up here, right? You You help repair shops develop a technique or a methodology for them to communicate to the customers in ways that they're not, you know, they may not be used to. This This may be very different for a lot of repair shops that are within the sound of our conversation today, that they may be scratching their head and saying, texting customers? You know, why would we want to do that? We can talk to them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but there's there's just a lot of advantage to that beyond what we're saying, correct?
2: Well, I love the fact that you mentioned the best practices. Let's even take the technology away. Uh, and define what are best practices. It's just normal, simple things that a shop should do day in and day out to handle their customers, to handle the jobs that are coming through. And its it, it, I know of at least 35 or 40 best practices that I think a shop should use. It's very difficult for them to follow through because it's a very difficult field. You've got customers coming and going. You have some really hard-to-fix vehicles, and you're doing all this. So we what we do is I like to try to get those shops to realize what the best practices are so they can see them. And then we take our software that we put in there, and it actually takes care of half that load for them automatically, which automatically makes them look better to their customers and makes their flow better. And know what? They get the cars done on time because there's less time waiting.
0: Right. And there's also there's also that 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 digital storage factor that they're keeping track of this and saying, Hey, I told you about this, but you may not have done it. And that sort of you know it it, it it just levels the playing field there's no miscommunication or there's less miscommunication i think as a result yeah, of it hey 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 john i'm going to pull over and take a pause when i come back i want to talk a little bit more about digital inspections and just what that brings to the table as well you know above and beyond texting so stay right where you are i'm running in the car doctor we're here with john Burkholzer of bolt on technology we'll be back right after this <music>
1: I'm broadcasting.
0: Hey, welcome back. I'm Andy, the car doctor. We're here with John Burkhauser of Bolt On Technology. John, you're still there, sir? I believe. I am, sir. Um, Digital inspections. Customer walks into a repair shop. Ten years ago, and greeted at the counter, and, you know, uh, G, Mr. Burkhauser, your car needs to have a seasonal checklist, and we're going to look it over, and it's a two-page checklist, and we're going to write A, B, C, D on it, and go through it and give you back this piece of paper. And inevitably, that piece of paper came back to him, and depending upon the shop, the environment, the day, how busy things were, maybe it kind of came back crumpled and beat up and, you know, a little muddied, and, you know, here's our piece of paper. And then you guys came along, and this digital inspection thing, and it's all done very differently tell us about it
2: well as you said the paper uh was the way it was done forever and i remember being a service advisor and asking a customer hey would you like us to do your a free courtesy inspection and this is the other side of the coin ron is the fact that this customer said no every time we do a free inspection it costs me lots of money and that was because back on the paper and you just explained how the day was going et etc that was back when we looked at it and we said, okay, this is good. We don't need to talk about this. This is okay. Uh, maybe we should mention it, but this is what we got to talk about. So, what happened is the customer got a complete bad report card on their vehicle. So, one of the things that I try to show the shops that are using our technology is that now they want to take pictures of the good, the bad, and the ugly because now we can give them a balanced report to the customer. And as you mentioned earlier, We now are going to document the history of the vehicle. Um, The recommendation that I give out is that a shop, when they get our technology good with it, is start with a baseline inspection where they're going to go over the whole vehicle and give the customer a report on that. And then the following inspections are just going to refer back to that and watch to show the customer how the tires are wearing, how the brake pads are wearing. And the beauty of this is there's not going to be any surprises if the customer keeps coming back to the same shop and getting the same inspections. So I think that's a really big difference right there. And it's available forever. So uh, they can go back and look at the links. We use little links like on the Internet where the customer can tap on that and go back and look. It doesn't go away. And that gives one other advantage to it. The paper things disappear, and it's up to the technician or service advisor to put the information in. Here, it's all done immediately right from the technician's hands. Service advisor edits it and puts it in, and we can create a whole history for that car. There's companies out there that sell you information on how your car was serviced and things of that sort, and they're pretty good. But here's the thing. We have the next step. We're going to show what we found, what we fixed, what we recommended, and everything piece by piece. And we can give a customer that printout when they want it, possibly helping them sell a car.
0: And that gives them – and that, that, that then we're assuring the purchaser of that car, hey, here's how the car was taken care of. And it could be over a two-year period. It could be over a 10-year period. It's yes. the, di- the digital stuff is just there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just it just never seems to go away. Where or how you know when you sit down with the average repair shop what's the what's the learning curve right? you know you walk in the door with a pile of technology and you know to get them up and running is this a one week program is this a one month program you know what's your experience been because you're the you're the head you're the head educator what are you seeing out yep. there when you're teaching these guys
2: well what we we kind of depend a little bit on the fact I was a technician. And how did I become a technician by taking things apart and putting them back together? And sometimes they worked, sometimes they didn't. And fortunately, when I became a real tech, they worked more times than not. (laughs) But what we do is we try to put the technology in the shop's hands and give them a very basic run-through. And what we want them to do is start working with it because we want them to do the simple things. I mean, we use tablets they have to know how to move around on the tablet and how to Uh, navigate through the different menus and things of that sort. And then once they get a basic hand of it, then I'm going to get involved with the shop and take them through a whole training on a webinar. And um, a lot of times that's perfect because now they've not only learned how it is, now they have real questions on how they can do things differently or how they should be doing things. So they've educated themselves basically by pulling it apart, using it, and then starting to move forward.
0: Do you you see... Do you ever get to talk to the customers? You know, what is the consumer? How do they perceive this? Have you ever surveyed that? Is there a a better comfort level from the consumer? Are they embracing it, or do they see it as technology overload? I'm just curious.
2: Well, uh, Ron, I wind up going across the country, and we stop in different shops, and I do make a habit of sitting in the customer area and just asking some customers. And so far, it's overly positive because they've never been able to really see what they were talking about and seeing what makes it work because I can spend all day trying to describe something to you, but you may never understand it. When I show you a picture and point it out, there's the answer right there, and it makes better sense. So I have to say, overall, it's been a more positive experience across the board.
0: I like it. The, the, one of the things I like about the digital inspection process and, and all of this in general is you're creating a paper trail. Uh, you know, I go back to the texting as simple as that is. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the nice thing with the texting is you tell somebody they need something and you've had this whole conversational exchange, just as you would on a phone call. You've had it quicker. All right. And then when you're done, you can now print that text as well as, you know, if you're doing digital inspection, the digital inspection put it all together. If you want a paper copy, you know, for that, you know, because once in a while, not everybody's a great customer. And you may want to have a paper backup on hand just to, you know, eliminate the problem. Or sometimes it helps at the counter. I can tell you as a shop owner, you've told somebody it's going to be this, and um, all of a sudden it, it, it pays to have that paper copy there. It's nice the way you allow us to print the information and then support it to the back of the invoice and say, yep, here's what you needed, here's what we did, and here's why we did it. Um, it just It just all makes a lot of sense. Um, a lot of sense to the consumers hey John I can see our time is kind of winding down where can the listeners go get more information whether they be a repair shop or a consumer maybe some of the consumers want to you know convince their repair shop they want bolt-on technology where can they go find it
2: well it's pretty straightforward you already said it. it's www and that's our website and you can contact us through there both shops and customers and check out what we uh, what we offer and that's the easiest way
0: um, it, just real quick, 30 seconds or less. This works with other, other software packages like Mitchell On Demand and things like that. It, does it work with anybody else?
2: yes we uh, work with Mitchell RO rider um, Napa tracks uh, ASA tire master and uh, quite a few other ones
0: yeah you work with all the biggies good cool beans hey John I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule joining us today and uh, we look forward to talking to you again and I'll uh, I'll talk to you during the week next week good deal I'm Ron Aney and the car doctor and we'll be back right after this
1: Everybody, good evening. A welcome to Who Wants to Be. Ron and Amy. Here I come in my 57. She's a real old perfection with her.
0: Welcome back. I'm Danny, the car doctor you're here. Once again, thanks to John Burkhauser and the folks over at Bolt On Technology. More information at boltontechnology.com and all they're doing to try and revamp the automotive industry. They're doing a heck of a job with it. Uh, phone number today, as always, is eight five five 560 Haven't got out the phone number yet today. 855 560 The car doctor's 24-7 number. Keep in mind, if you're picking us up on podcast, and we know some of you are, Uh, You can call 855-560-9900 during the live show hours, Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and leave a message. And our executive producer, Motorhead Matt, who's out on hiatus today. I think he's uh, got... got, or something. He's. Um, uh,
2: I think, yeah, he got a bad uh, piece of something or other at a restaurant.
0: Mm, so, yeah, we left him at home because we didn't want to see that. So now, um, you're, in, uh, now you're in trouble. You've got the Ray boys in the control room. I know. Room. I've got the Ray boys. I've got, I've got two guys in front of me. One's a Giants jersey. One's a Jets jersey. And in between doing the show, they're knocking each other around. And. Uh, Oh, it just where's my Tony when I need him? Um, interesting article. I want to do this before I go over to the phones. Um, interesting article. Volkswagen engineer gets prison, two hundred thousand dollar fine over emissions cheating. Boy, this is just like. This is like Bill Clinton and uh, what's-her-name 20 years ago. It just won't go away out of the press. A Volkswagen engineer who had a key role in the company's diesel emissions scandal, the article starts with, was sentenced Friday to more than three years in prison and a $200,000 fine, a steeper punishment than prosecutors requested. James Robert Liang, 63, knew the German automaker was cheating and working Work to cover it up, U.S. District Court judge Sean Cox said during the sentence hearing in Detroit, the judge imposed a 40-month prison sentence. See, I was wondering about that. You know would it have been more appropriate to make the guy go work in a repair shop for, for two years and try and fix cars other than Volkswagens, just to see what sort of torture that could put him through, or maybe actually try and work on a Volkswagen, but he's an engineer. He would already understand how it worked, It'd be overly complicated. The, comp- the conspiracy, this is, the conspiracy perpetuated perpetrated, I'm sorry, the conspiracy perpetrated, i got to clean my glasses, a massive and stunning fraud on the American consumer that attacked and destroyed the very foundation of our economic system, Judge Cox said. Liangu faces deportation to Germany, many many, oh, Germany, upon his release from prison, declined to speak on his own behalf Friday. Prosecutors had requested a 36-month prison term and a $20,000 fine. I mean, can you imagine that? A $200,000 fine and 40 months in the joint? I, but i guess you know and this here's here's the thought on that look at how involved the automobile is in the economy and look at what it represents to the economy and how many people out there that own a Volkswagen will buy another one again and i you know yeah i know there's going to be quite a few but there's also going to be quite a few who would not and you know it it never mind the economic damage Directly to Volkswagen, but to the dealers and the small people, the little people that are involved, the technicians, the salespeople. Um, you know, I always go back to. You know, there's so much involved in automo- in the automobile business. It, it's not just the manufacturer; it's the people that sell them, service them, deliver the parts. The guy who makes the parts for the itself. The guy who makes the lunch for the guy who makes the parts. The guy who makes the lunch for the technicians. The the lights, the insurance. It's so something like this to knowingly defraud. And then you've got to talk about the damage to the environment and, you know, what that represents. So, I don't know. Did the guy get – I think the guy got off easy. Forty months and a $200,000 fine on, on, a, on a situation that defrocked Volkswagen? Yeah, I, but just anyway, the story that won't go away. Volkswagen engineer gets prison in a $200,000 fine. So we'll see where that goes. We'll keep an eye on that. Let's go keep an eye on Paul in Virginia, 855-560-9900. Welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. How can I help? What's going on?
1: Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, uh, you're uh, last week talking about calipers and uh, getting the wrong one. The uh, the wrong one was put in the right box. Yep. And uh, I had a couple of years ago replaced a uh, caliper on on the little Bronco, and at first it looked like I had the wrong part. Then I came to realize the, uh, all you had to do was move the the bleeder screw to the other uh, port because both ports are machined for the hose. So it's interchangeable, of course. Yeah, the, yeah that's the way the they were on It has to go yep. at the pump. Yep. And I just wondered if you run into that a lot and why, why it's not done universally uh, where they just make one caliper and it can be used on left or right.
0: I don't know why they don't do it, but you would think to cut down on the number of parts required to be stocked, it would make a lot of sense. And it's, it's a great point. I have seen this on older Broncos. I have seen this on some other Ford products. General Motors did it for a couple of years way back when. But it it just seems to be something that went away, and I, I really don't have an answer. I don't know what the engineers are thinking. You would think that it would, you know, make it less expensive to maintain parts inventory because isn't it amazing when you stop and think about how many parts you put in a car during the course of its life, and they're there for quite a long time. Seven years is the cutoff, but, you know, you can buy parts 10, 12, 15, 20 years later, still getting we just on the 97 ranger we just started out we replaced the gas tank fill neck had started leaking and crack and i was able to purchase that hose assembly from ford still uh, you know it wasn't cheap it was 300 dollars for this big long piece of rubber with a gas cap on it but i was thrilled to have it because i knew the quality of it and uh, you know the old one lasted just about 20 years um uh, you know, I'm amazed, to tell you the truth, Paul, on how many parts I can still get for a car, even when I'm disappointed when I find out I can't get one easily and I have to go digging for it. Um, you know, it it, it it kind of becomes an issue. Maybe they felt that, you know, doing it that way where you could make a caliper swap or changeable side to side, um, Maybe they, maybe there was a confusion factor because how many people are smart enough to do that, as simple as it sounds? You know, you ever open up a box... For automotive or for you know an appliance or a computer and you ever notice those orange labels there that have instructions on what to do first have you seen that
1: paul uh yeah okay yeah and uh, a lot of times of course you know do directions this or do that are, yeah direction
0: right yeah um you're a reader yeah. Uh, you know, listen. I I don't know you personally, but I mean, I know you, we've talked to each other over the years about this car. This is the, this is the Bronco too, with two hundred something, eighty six thousand miles on it, right? This is this is the high mileage, or 300,000. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, over three hundred
1: thousand. Yeah, it's yeah. three hundred
0: thousand. I was going to say by now, um, but I know you. I know you to be a reader. You you know you you tend to look before you leap. But how many people don't do that today? You know how many returns they would get? Um, you know you know how many problems and how many times there would be an issue with. Well, I don't understand this caliper doesn't fit. I think the other side of that is what I ran into last week. I think that's becoming more and more common. And I think part of the problem and what I see with misboxed parts is repair shops that aren't educated, that aren't going to class, that aren't taking training, are in everything from brakes to diagnostics to – well, I shouldn't say diagnostics because brakes can become diagnostics as well. But, you know, anything – brakes, emissions work – service work, trans, drivetrain, axle, suspension, it, nobody reads anymore. And they're pulling parts out, and, gee, this doesn't fit, or, gee, this isn't what I wanted, or, gee, this didn't fix the problem, and then they're sending it back. I think one of the things manufacturers need to do to cut down on missed parts or parts that have been tampered with by someone, you know, that takes it apart and steals parts off it or just swaps parts around, I think something to alert the end user we need a piece of tape on the box, and I don't mean a piece of, you know, masking tape. Or, I mean a piece of colored tape. Uh, you know, I've I've suggested this to AC Delco recently. I said, how come when you buy a brake caliper, you can't seal it the first time with a piece of pink tape? Something hard for a consumer to get, so that nobody's sitting there, you know, monkeying around making it easy. And then at least I know when it rolls into my shop, and I'm paying top dollar for a quality name brand part that. I can tell that it hasn't been tampered as it left the factory and it cuts down. Because it's, you know, you have to look at, from my perspective as a shop owner, I get a part that doesn't fit or didn't fit the five lug rotor for the six lug wheel. You know what kind of downtime that represents and what we lose in terms of productivity for the day? Because that job now sits on the lift for another half hour, 45 minutes. If we're lucky, usually it's an hour to two. And we have to find the right piece and the right part and go in a different direction altogether to fill that that hour and. Hour and a half, two hours, you know, um, it it becomes an issue. But anyway, those are my thoughts. Any other questions, Paul?
1: No, that that's it. Okay. I was just wondering how how common it was, and I and think I it's, thought well that was that was a great idea.
0: Yeah, I, I just <laughs> and, uh, will they will they do it? You know, I don't know. I you know, but I'm going to push hard for it. And uh, we'll see where it goes. Paul, always a pleasure, sir, and uh, good luck to you down there, Virginia Way, and uh, keep on driving that Bronco. Let's see if we can get a half a million miles out of it. 855-560-9900. Andy the Car Doctor coming back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and The Car Doctor here, 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. Give us a call. Leave a message. If we're not on the air, we'll get back to you. Let's get over and talk to Lee from Maine, 2000 Dodge Stratus, and some questions about codes. Lee, welcome to The Car Doctor. How can I help?
3: Well, thank you. How are are you?
0: I'm very good. How are you today?
3: Good. Just good.
0: Thanks. What's going on?
3: Well, I, did you get the codes? I, uh, would you like me to read them off? No, here? go ahead. Read them off. I just want to be a little more specific of what, what I can do to... Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to sell the car. You suggested I sell the car because it is old. Right. But I don't dare sell it to somebody with these issues.
0: What were the, what were the codes again, Lee? This was a while ago.
3: Okay. That we, that we spoke. It is P.S. and Paul 0, 0700. And then it has transmission fault present. Right. And then the P O seven twenty is output speed sensor error. And then the P O seven thirty one gear ratio error in first. And P one seven ninety fault immediately after shift.
0: Right. So let's go back. Let's go back to a ten speed bicycle. All right, you ever ride okay. a ten speed recently? Yeah. All right, and and like you're 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 going to shift the gears and you you, you sort of miss a shift. It it you, you you kind of go to shift from first to second, then it jumps from uh, first to fourth, maybe something okay. like that. Right? That makes yeah. sense to you. Yeah. And
3: yeah,
0: you know a, a lot of what you're describing are instead of going you know shifting it one two three four, you're shifting it one to four, four to six um you know uh things like that now uh, the way the computer knows this is there's an input and an output speed sensor it's basically it's looking at it's looking at there's there's a there's a shaft coming out of the transmission i'm trying to think of a simple way to describe this there's a front sprocket on your bicycle there's a back sprocket on your bicycle right the the front Mm -hmm. sprockets the input the rear sprocket's the output. You drive that front sprocket with your feet. That's the input shaft, all right? Okay. The computer is looking at how many revolutions that makes and to store it, and then it looks at how many revolutions the rear wheel, the output sprocket makes, and it stores that. It's saying if Lee is in the right gear, applying the right amount of load, then this sprocket should turn this number of times, and that sprocket should turn this number of times makes sense. It's, yeah. it's, it's okay. So it's seeing your front sprocket turn correctly, but the rear sprocket missed a step, and it can't figure out why. It knows okay. by it knows by looking at the sensor. It, it sees it electrically or electronically, with a digital sensor, and it says, "Wait a minute, something happened. Lee's Lee's foot fell off the pedal, or the, the, the her shoe came loose, or uh, you know there was a dip in the road and she missed a stroke, something like that. So it, it's it's okay. setting a fault code." 7 okay. 731 and 1790 usually okay are input shaft or output shaft or both speed input, sensors.
3: Wait a minute, let me write this down. Input shaft
0: Input shaft speed input or output shaft speed sensors. Okay. All right. So okay. it's it's basically the onboard computer can't see there there's the correlation is incorrect. All right. So there's an issue there. Um, that's that's step one. And I'll tell you what, Lee, stay right where you are. Let me pull over and do this bit of business, and when I come back, we'll finish up. I don't want to rush this. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The Car Doctor is coming right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor, rolling along this hour. We're on the phone with Lee from Maine. We're talking about her 2000 Dodge Stratus. Lee, you're still there. I am. So, you know, where we where we left it off, we were having a conversation about fault codes P0731, 1790 and
3: uh, P0700. Yeah. And uh, Let me ask you this. The ahead. the, the, the P0700 transmission fault present is explaining that the sensor is in or that it's not Right. in uh, the gear ratio error. So all of that is explaining that the shaft having issues with the shaft of the input and the output right right what, what
0: the is the, the a generic fault, all right? Okay. The, the 700 is saying, you know, hey, I, I think I'm getting sick. The, the, your okay. temperature your temperature going up and your nose running, that's uh-huh. the actual fault. <laughs> okay. All right So in this case, 700 saying, hey, I think something's wrong with the trans and the 731 and the 1790 are here's the actual circuits that are affected. All right. It it, it gets more specific. So what what this is starting to sound more and more like is a fault or a problem in either both or one of the input or output shaft speed sensors and their circuits. You know, keep in mind, it doesn't have to necessarily be a component. This could be a wiring issue. This could be an internal component of the trans, which is, I think, what our last conversation was. We were talking about practicality of fixing it. My only concern is cost to repair because I don't think you drove this a lot, right? This is this is a low mileage car.
3: No, I yeah, right. I did not.
0: Right, this is a low mileage car, and my yeah. Cons- and, and
3: another thing too, it goes into um, into reverse, no problem at all. Right,
1: in drive and it's then, a problem. And
3: then it was the the speedometer wouldn't work. Right, and it worked sometimes.
1: Right,
0: well, and, and a lot of this can be as a result of the input-output shaft speed sensor fault. So do this. Do this, all right? Maybe this will make it easier for you or make you feel better about it. Take it to a mechanic. Give him the information I gave you. So let's see what kind of a diagnosis he comes up with. If it's input-output shaft speed sensors, clear cut, this could be four to $800 as a number to throw out. But beyond that, let's talk again before you spend big money on the car, and I'll guide you accordingly. Lee, I appreciate the call and you being there. Till the next time, I'm Ron and The Car Doctor, reminding you, the mechanics aren't Expensive, they're priceless. See ya.